Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. TF3 on today's show we're talking about all sorts of things from all over the summer two summary people joining me to summarize the summer Dave O'Brien it is the summer Dave you've taken most of your day to play football manager today I have yeah it's been a glorious day I just woke up and I had one of those days I was just like I just can't be bothered today and I do work you know most of the year football season wise I do work too many, too many hours so I thought I'll have one of these days pencil it in play a bit of football manager Get United back to the pinnacle of world football. You know, simple as that. Did you get them back? Um, we're, we're currently top of the league. Um, top of my Europa League group. Won my EFL tie. Um, so, yeah, it's going quite well at the moment. Brought in William Carvalho, uh, Jose Jimenez, Kai Havitz from Leverkusen. I think that might be it. Um, and I'm playing a mixture between a 4-3-3 and a 4-4-2. Narrow diamond like Zinedine Zidane. Wow. Okay. Okay, was, was that based on the Zidane system? Mm, yeah, it's trying to be based on the Zidane system. My interpretation of it, obviously, it's two ball-playing central midfielders. I've got Pogba and... Oh, I've got Yuri Tilsman as well, but he's just broken his foot, which is pretty gutting out for four months after scoring a banger from about 30 yards. Instantly broke his foot. Incredible stuff. But yeah, a little bit. Two playmakers, a def- strong defensive midfielder, two wing-backs. I've got um, Valencia and uh, Luke Shaw. Probably need to upgrade that in the summer. Uh, then Zlatan as a, the Benzema, the false nine. And then I've got... Uh, Anthony Martial as the Ronaldo on the left wing and then the right wing the sort of Gareth Bale winger sort of got Mkhitaryan slash Marcus Rashford and obviously as that switches to the diamond uh, Martial goes up top um, Big Zlatman plays the same role uh, just as a striker and then in behind as a second striker either by Kai Hivitz or Mkhitaryan so it's a little bit like the Isco role um, at the back end of the Champions League but it's been fun so far I've actually enjoyed it I've been struggling for a um, like a belief in football manager like a what style of football do I want to play and I think I finally stumbled on it again that does sound lovely uh, and of course someone else who's never played football manager he's telling us ever have you ever lived Nico have you ever lived Nico pretty sure I've lived yeah I just haven't played football manager yes uh, some people were saying not playing football manager is not living but okay um well, uh, someone who gets to sort of play football manager is a real football manager, someone who likes managing football. Uh, Germany have won the Confederations Cup, Dave, and the Euro Under-21s. People saying at the moment they're ruling world football. Is it, are they? 
I'd say the depth is is absolutely staggering, and the style of football that they're getting at um, all levels, you know, be it from under twenty one level up to the the first team, is pretty incredible. And to to win that with your sort of second string, giving the minutes to the likes of uh, Timo Werner, who's been fantastic in the Bundesliga this season, allowing him to be the main striker with being supported by uh, Julian Draxler's creativity, it was a really good. Um, you know, bit of play. You know, they're playing a three at the back system. They're playing a three-four-three. Had Lars Stindl in there, another player that I really highly regard in the Bundesliga, but hasn't really had that exposure international level. And I think that's the thing with this German side. They know that their first team is so good that they could win the Confederations Cup with arguably their B team, and then their C E team maybe won the under twenty ones again. A top performance. They out Germany, Spain in a way. It was absolutely perfect. Out Germany, Spain, uh, as in they played better as Germany than. Spain, Spain did, Spain. or they played. Correct. That is, it's quite an interesting one how Spain against Italy was so dominant. Their 4 3 3 was so good. Um, Sabalas and uh, Saul in central midfield were fantastic. Asensio was out there. Um, but they really dominated that game and it absolutely destroyed them. Saul obviously got the headlines, but arguably Sabalas was the best guy on the pitch, you know, really controlling the game. Everyone's seen that mazy run that he did, but he was doing that a lot. He's, he's got a lovely shift of his body and he's got a really unnatural way of turning where he sort of opens up his, I think it's his right foot, opens up his foot quite square outside of the boot and then he'll just cut himself and turn quite quickly. Incredible technique, but they, they absolutely destroyed Italy. Then you move into the final. I watched the German-England game. I wasn't very, I wasn't very impressed by the Germans. England, they played all right. They were quite defensive. They didn't really get on the ball. They did, you know, they were just like backs against the wall performance, and they got to the penalty shootout. But I think Germany dominated that well. They created a few chances, but they missed too many shots on goal. Really, you had the likes of Max Meyer, um, Gnabry, who I don't even understand why Arsenal have let that guy go. It's it's a mystery to me. But then the final comes, and they they play so Germanic in a way. They're pressing, they're high intensity. They're pressing Spain where they didn't get pressed when they played Italy, and it arguably destroyed the Spanish build-up. And Spain couldn't really react to that. Germany nicked a goal, and they saw the game out. And it was fantastic to see the pressing, the compactness, everything that you expect out of a good German team in the Champions League at the moment was on show in the 21 Championships. And just unfortunately, Spain couldn't break them down, and they kind of maybe lacked a you know a target man or a, a, a player to sort of mix it up a little bit. Saul had a had a few moments as he did in the semi-final, um, but this time didn't take his moments. So it was an interesting tournament, but you know. It was sort of Germany doing what Germany do does great: short passing football, counter attacking, pressing, everything that we regard as the modern day game. Nico, well, the modern day game isn't just one team, is it? There have been some good teams at this Confed Cup. Uh, but were you impressed overall by the win? Yeah, I was impressed by a lot of the things that Dave mentioned. Germany did well, uh, both you know in the in the youth tournament and also the Confederations Cup. But I think one thing that we have to remember and maybe should appreciate um, that that's going to go under the radar a little bit is this Chilean national team and their their dominance. Not only you know getting this far in the Confederations Cup, doing well in the last World Cup, probably will do well in the next one, and then you know the dominance in in the Copa America in recent years. This is something that I think Jonathan Wilson touched on in, in sort of a longer form and the history on on in the blizzard recently but something that i also touched on as well which is something that the chilean fa have done incredibly well which is keeping a consistency sort of a homogeneity of ideas within their management and the people that they decide to to hire for the for the national team job that's why they've been so successful you know we're talking about a chile team that a lot of these players play in leagues that are not considered the best uh, unknown a lot of these guys you know only a, a few 
uh, star players, but yet they they have dominated the the competitions in in South America in recent years. When the greatest player of all time plays for Argentina, and there's uh, a number of talented teams in South America not only in, including uh, the one that Lionel Messi is on, but also, you know, all of his teammates there, they're, they're uh, sort of flush with uh, attacking talent. So I think in a, in a parallel universe, we might've seen Argentina dominate those competitions and really dominate international competitions. But the organization and the consistency that we've seen out of Chile has allowed for them to, to be so successful in a time where maybe they don't, they're not, they're not as uh you know, blessed with as many players as teams around them. And, and it starts with Bielsa and then it goes to Sampaoli and now Pizzi. And a lot of these, it, it's created a, um, uh, what is it called? Sorry. The, the, the sort of word is escaping me now. Uh, it creates an identity for the national team, you know, that intensity off the ball, but also that ability to be an excellent team on the ball is something that I think a lot of people expected maybe just because of the pedigree, of the, of the teams coming into the final, um, Germany to dominate the ball, but we saw Chile dominate the majority of possession for a lot of the game and, and try to break through. And they almost did, had it not been for a, a mistake by um, Mario Diaz, then I think we might have seen a different result. But we can't forget how how good and how dominant this Chile team has been over the past couple of years, and hopefully they'll continue to do so, even though their star players are are getting up there in age. Sorry, I had to sneeze on mute. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's also been the video assisted referee in this one. Um, Nico, thoughts on that? I, I obviously I, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's been necessarily implemented in the best ways. And people are sort of using that as an excuse to maybe rid it from from football, at least for now. But I think as time goes on, we, we saw some really bad performances from some of these referees. Um, in, in the Confederations Cup. So I definitely think that didn't help. But I think as time goes on, people will get more and more used to it and it'll be better implemented. It's it's something that is, is going to be seamlessly implemented into the game at some point. So I wasn't, I don't think anybody was blown away by, by the original impl- implementation of it in this tournament. But I think as time goes on, as we use it a little bit more, as we get used to using it, then it's just going to be kind of become another one of those things. And I think it's actually uh, really helpful in a lot of situations. I just think it's down to the fact they took a little bit too long in that tournament, right? I mean, surely uh, they, if they can just keep the times for the decision shorter and almost the implementation, then that's better. I also think the, yeah, the, the times were an issue. And also, I also think sort of the hesitation to go back and forth between the uh, video assistant referee and, and then the referee's original decision is something that they need to work on a little bit better, like the the possible red card to Isla in the final and then yeah. a, a contentious penalty decision. But I, I th- once again, I think as we, we practice using it, things come up that aren't going to come up in like pre-tests and stuff like that. The more that we use it, the better that we'll become at using it, the more used to people will be uh, to to seeing a video assistant referee. And it's not like we're going to use it for every single decision or every single goal or every single thing in the game. It's just those contentious decisions that have the ability to influence, you know, a major outcome that I think uh, video assistant referees is is the way to go. Yeah, certainly is the implementation. Um, Dave, let's talk a little bit about, um, yeah, we can can definitely move on from the Confederation Cup in a second but Draxler got the golden ball Dave um, is it a little bit disappointing are you just a little bit disappointed that Draxler's at PSG I'm a little, I think I'm a little disappointed about his career in a way because I, I saw him I think when he was 19 play against Wolfsburg for, Schal- for Schalke and he was unbelievable 
Like he was the best player on the park by a country mile. I remember watching Kaká live play for AC Milan and being blown away by his ability and how yeah. he just used to tear United. It was very, it was so similar how they moved um, and how they opened themselves up. And arguably Draxler, I don't know, was kind of maybe even a little bit better at going both ways, going on his left foot and going on his right foot. So his career massively stalled. I think the Wolfsburg move was a bit silly. Um, but this PSG one, it kind of has, has worked out quite well for him. It seemed like a bad move at the time. Um, like Guardes, uh, you know, player that was fantastic for Benfica first half of the season, moved to uh, obviously PSG as well, and he's now sitting on the bench. Kind of thought that could happen with Draxler, but Draxler fair play to him has taken his chance. I think at international level he showed some of his best colours. Obviously, we're talking about the Confederation Cup where he, you know, he was the best player there. And you think in Germany um, at the the Euros um, was quite good there as well. So it's an interesting one that he's really starting to perform at international level over club level. But I expect him to really kick on now in his career because he has the talent. Uh, let's talk Nico uh, about Claudio Bravo just before we move on. Is he leaving Man City? Surely being told his second choice won't do at this point for a goalkeeper who clearly still has the quality. I don't think he's leaving Man City. I think it'll be a similar situation to that of maybe a reverse of what he experienced at, at Barcelona, where he maybe from now on plays the cup competitions and, and does the majority of that, whereas Aderson, the, the new uh, goalkeeper signing for Manchester City, will take over the league duties, or or maybe a, a reverse of that. I'm not sure quite yet, but I think he's definitely going to say at Manchester City, but I think... You know, he, he won the Golden Glove for the Confederations Cup and, and a lot of that comes down to not only he we have to remember he's a he's a pretty good goalkeeper, but also I think previous to the Confederations Cup final, that was the first goal that Chile had conceded up until about I think the the World Cup qualifiers a couple months before and that was a that was an own goal against Peru. So we're talking about an an immensely well-drilled team from a Chile perspective. And that really goes back to what I was saying before about, you know, the implementation of the press. And I think that's one of the things that let Claudio Bravo down a lot last season, which was the poor implementation of the press leading to the concession of high quality chances and something that any goalkeeper would struggle against. But at the same time, he, he had a really bad run of form. And a lot of those saves did really come down to, to him and his inability to do anything in those situations or anything correctly so i think it was a it was a combination of both but it, the golden glove is maybe not exactly representative of him having the tournament tournament of his life from a goalkeeping perspective but certainly a representative uh, of chile having good press the perfect time to sell him though i mean he's at his peak surely hey just got the golden glove extra five grand what? No, I don't. I I think he he fit like for example. I think um, Manchester City made a really bad error. I don't know if they had any, any control in that situation, but letting Willy Caballero go to Chelsea was a really bad move because I think one of the biggest things that Chelsea struggled with last season in terms of implementing sort of that three and five back and everything they, that they want to do is they struggled with their build-up play from their goalkeeper, and Caballero will obviously help that. And so I think that's where someone like Bravo will keep that ability to play out of the back extremely well and maybe play through pressure um, in every competition because Aderson obviously has that ability and then bravo clearly demonstrates that ability consistently um so we'll have that both you know in any competition we play in and not just one so strange like the stats of it is just insane to only save 55 percent of the shots on goal is absolutely incredible you know from the 60 shots that he had on goal he made 33 saves you know obviously we like nick nico saying there could be some real high quality chances there so it's an unfair statement to make but over on the whole population of his saves it just seems really like it's odd 
it's really obscure that like that type of thing um, only happens to bad goalkeepers, and we know Claudio Bravio isn't a bad goalkeeper. Just on Edison, um, I watched the. So it doesn't only happen to them. No, it happens to everybody, Lawrence, which is something good, you know. As well as happening to the best, it happens to the worst. But Edison, watch the um, Benfica versus uh, Monaco. No, so, yeah, Benfica versus. Dortmund I think I watched I watched one of the games from the Champions League this season I was so impressed with Edison how good he is on the ball like his distribution is incredible his ability with his feet kicking out of his hands you can kind of see exactly why Pep Guardiola got him in that game against Dortmund it was definitely Dortmund the game against Dortmund as well he made like eight saves in that game and three or four were just unbelievable I think you can really start to build a picture of what Pep Guardiola wants as a goalkeeper. Yes, he's unknown for the prem- for Premier League fans, but anyone that's probably watched him for Benfica has been very, very impressed by what he's done. And again, Young gets Claudio Bravo's experience there. Could be on the way to you know being one of the best goalkeepers in the world. It's just this this thing. If it happens again, if Pep's you know press fails and there is these high level chances, potentially we'll see another goalkeeper come through the door with really high potential, high ability, and then completely chucked out the door. Um, you know, with their confidence crushed. Yet again, another young man goes by the way, in the same way as happened with the front three podcast. Um, quickly brushing uh, upon um, maybe sort of Barcelona esque things, uh, they're close to signing a, a Real Batiste midfielder. Uh, now, signing internally from the league is something that should almost be banned from Barcelona, right? They shouldn't be allowed to sign from smaller sides. It's, it's an interesting one. Uh, Sabalas has been on the, the stats radar in a way for uh, this season. His, his stats in terms of his, his take-ons um, were the best in um, Europe under 21. And also, you know, the amount of fouls that he's drawn. And, you know, it looked good. It looked like he was the main man for Betis. But I didn't watch any of Betis. You know, watching him at this under-21 championships, there's a real star in the making, whether he could, you know, go to Barcelona and finally, you know, push for their central midfield starting berth. He could do that. The really interesting one, though, is to Real Madrid, which was linked before the Barcelona move that was early on this week. I think this Barcelona link's coming from Cope. I think AS were reporting that Real Madrid are going to make a move. The interesting part there is that he and uh, Asensio, they, they, shared a, you know, they shared a room over the tournament. So maybe if he is saying, look, you, know, you could come and play with me in five years' time, you're going to be playing behind Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, but you will come on. You see how Zidane lose th- used this goal last season. It's starting to become a positive now, Zinedine Zidane's use of his squad for young players like uh, Sabalos, who had a fantastic tournament, was really, really good, and could really easily step up and, and, and you know, be the guy that's replacing Tony Cruz in a, in, a, you know, in a few years. What I liked about how Asensio and Cruz, and sorry, Sabalos, work together was how you know if one would come inside the other one would go out wide it was a lovely relationship between a left central midfielder and a left winger but they had a great understanding together and he was fantastic in the tournament so if it is Barca if it is Real it'll be one of those big boys but he's got a release clause of 13 million euros this is the weird thing about British clubs why are no British clubs like making it like for example Manchester City he, could, he would be perfect for Manchester City if Pep wants to play a 4-3-3 you know, why are they not going out there and being like, you know, instead of getting ripped off uh, X, Y and Z, why do we not try and get this lad from Spain? But what a fantastic player. OK, I mean, uh, Dave, what about Saul? Yeah, good tournament, very good tournament. Top scorer from midfield, five goals and one assist. It was moments with Saul. I think Saul's a bit of a moment player. Um, you know, he does pop up and he'll, you know, smash a goal in from 30 yards or he'll take an incredible touch or score or go on a mazy dribble like he's done multiple times in the, um, you know, in the Champions League. What I like about this season is how he's improved his physicality and his ability to get over the pitch. And of course, playing with this, this dodgy kidney or the kidney that exploded because he got kicked against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, another bit of news that's coming out of Atletico Madrid is that he signed a new nine-year deal. 
How impressive is that? I love that. In the modern day where... A nine-year deal? A nine-year deal. Doing... It's a five-year deal with an additional four years, I think, on top, to be precise. But like, I like that commitment to a club that's really shown him a lot. You know, there's, there were... Uh, before he joined Atletico, I think he was at Real Madrid and apparently got bullied out of Real Madrid by some of their youth players. Uh, you know, coming to Atletico and then the story, obviously, about his kidney exploding on the pitch against Leverkusen, how the club have stick by, you know, stuck behind him there. It's nice to see that where they've sort of taken him under their wing, Atletico Madrid, especially Simeone, and now he's repaying them by signing this long deal with a huge release clause, whether he'll leave or not, probably not. But it's nice to see, again, it's like a leader. It's like your Steven Gerrard-esque figure at a club that's going to stick around, go through thick and thin, and hopefully will lift the Champions League at some point, just for Gabby, because Gabby deserves it. Even though Gabby might be retired or on the coaching staff, Saul needs to do it for him. Dave, but then other people haven't been uh, bullied out, have they? Other people have been loved in Asensio at Real Madrid. Mm. Yeah, again, incredible. You know what we saw at the end of the season, Champions League wise, and in the league, he was just incredible. And we've just seen that again. He's just his his touch, his speed. He's got everything that you'd need to be a you know a top class modern day footballer. You could play on the left, could play on the right, could play through the middle. We know his ability from range. Scored another fantastic goal for Spain from um, outside the box. But it's it's that creativity, that yard of pace to get past his man and cut the ball back. Whether he's playing on the left and you know sticking to that stronger left foot and going out outside or on the right and coming in again, he's just another wonderful footballer. What he could work on potentially is trying to get his. You know, we, we saw in the final how Germany did bully them with the press. Maybe if Essential could pop, you know could have popped up a little bit centrally um, to be a passing option, uh, similar to what Zidane did against uh, Juve against Atletico. Maybe moving him to number ten. Obviously, the coach is involved there, but maybe for him just naturally to think, okay, what did Isco do? How did Isco fall out of this problem? Because we aren't getting out the press at the moment. We're getting completely done. Um, so maybe it's tactically where he needs to move himself on. Um, other players that really impressed me: Germany's right back. Toljan, who's been at Hoffenheim this season, has been fantastic there. He registered three assists in the tournament, which was more than any other player. But great energy down the right-hand side, a great delivery. A great ball in for um, for the goal, uh, Michel Weisser, in the final. Um, but it was just that energy that we've seen for the whole time. It's a real Nagelsmann player, a player that's got energy, got ability going forward, got ability defensively. So expect him to be at Bayern Munich in maybe next year as a Philip Lahm's replacement. Oh, wow. Philip's on a replacement. I don't know. Mm. So obviously they're going to mess about we'll for a few seasons, aren't they? They're going to be like, oh, we'll play with Rafinha there. We'll play uh, Kimmich there, even though we should be playing Kimmich in midfield. And then we'll go, actually, let's sign this lad from Hoffenheim. Okay. Uh, Dave, what about someone who never wanted to leave Real Madrid in the first place? <laughs> uh, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, of course he's saying it. Now he never wanted to leave. Uh, let's not get Nico on, because Nico gets very angry and upset um, about these things. Uh that's a joke, Pika. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk very quickly about it. His, his, the quote is, I never said I wanted to leave Real Madrid. I commented at a dinner with teammates so that I was hurt, that I felt mistreated, persecuted. That was all. Well, Dave, El Confidencial <laughs> is telling us everything that's El Confidencial in well, Spain. You know, we'll see you next maybe two weeks time. We'll sign a new... Uh, what did, what did they call it? Barcelona for Messi's tax avoidance, allegedly? What was it? It's just a renewal. El bumper deal. <laughs> renewal of his contract. Thanks, Messi, for scoring all these goals. Here's 15 million euros to pay your tax bill. El bumper deal. <laughs> Probably that same. But it, it upset me. I quite like the, th- the thought of Messi back to... Sorry, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo back to Manchester United. That would have been lovely. But, you know, oh well. Again, maybe use, news using United to get a new deal. I know what, he's let me down once again. Dave, do you want Di Maria? No, we tried Di Maria. Not under the ramp. I think Di Maria would have worked under Ferguson. I think he really would have worked under. I think he would have been a real good player for United. 
uh, but it didn't work because of Louis Van Gaal. And then the, the would have worked under anyone but Louis Van Gaal. Yeah, but I think that could, that's a good shout. I think it would have been fantastic. You're both tactical there. bitches, aren't you? You both just love bitching about other men. It would have worked under anyone but him. Get me another mojito. Oh my God, I need some Lawrence, more tactical don't juice. Be, don't be jealous because you're not part of the tactical genius club. Tactical juice. Mojitos. <laughs> I do like mojitos. I like mojitos. Yeah. You've, you've nailed it, to be honest, Nico. Honestly, he has nailed it. That was That is how I talk every day. I've taken day. on at least five mojitos tonight. I'm telling you all. <laughs> And then I tell you what, then we can watch things in triple or quadruple speed, Nico, because I've started to do that, and it gives you a really interesting uh, Yeah, I, I've got the three the screens and the, the quadruple speed on. So anytime nice. you want to come over, we'll have some yeah. mojitos and maybe maybe a pizza. Perfect. I you like, know what? Like That's pizza. actually probably a really good show. You're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> They've had you hang up on people in this group. Anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, does anyone want to talk about Sao Paulo's co- coach? I've got no idea what that is. Senna, yeah, sure legendly, legend free kick maestro. Yeah, uh, it's, it's Rogerio, Rogerio, Rogerio Senna. Mm. Oh, the, the goalkeeper. Yeah, the goalkeeper. Has been sacked, has been sacked Dave, after six months of uh, being coach basically in Sao Paulo now uh, Sao Paulo is a pretty famous team in the first place and so that's why this is probably such an iconic piece of news for a lot of people out there who remember exactly what Nico just remembered um, is it really that big a news though in the grand scheme of things Dave? I just think it's an interesting one I just love to you know, be remembered that a, a goalkeeper scored 21 goals in one season in 2005 for Sao Paulo um, scored 131 goals from 1,257 games that's incredible that's like, what a goal every 12 games which is for a keeper's a joke but it's, it's an interesting one uh, Michael Beely is it the ex-Liverpool um, coach was at Liverpool moved, Mike, to Sao, yeah. moved to Sao Paulo so it could be quite interesting to see that fallout whether he's going to be involved in um, you know taking up a, you know taking up the management would be quite interesting but I like that from a British coach going abroad to learn something different about you know for example Brazilian football but it, it's a you know we don't know too much about it. obviously we aren't specialists on the Brazilian league but I just thought it was an interesting name that popped up once again yeah, very good point. Uh, now, uh, let's let's get into the transfer window a little bit, guys, uh, because there's some interesting stuff. It won't all be transfer rumours. There's some, some real transfer-based stuff here. Um, instantly speaking about an ex-Liverpool guy, Nico, Rafa Benitez and Newcastle, there's reports recently that have been gathering pace, maybe for good reason, um, that Rafa's getting frustrated with the hierarchy at Newcastle for not signing anyone so far. It must be difficult for Newcastle to compete when they want to spend as little money as possible in other clubs such as Everton, such as Villa, are attracting certain players who maybe Newcastle would have traded off in the past. Yeah, I was actually talking to Chris about this the other day and maybe the relationship between Rafa Benitez and, and Mike Ashley, I believe is the it was the club owner's name, um, maybe one that is either perfect or, or one that can deteriorate very quickly because one thing that Sir Alex, Fer- Sir Alex Ferguson criticized uh, Benitez on well, it, during his time at Liverpool was his, um, he was complaining about certain things and, and he was saying that he had spent an, an enormous amount of money, more money than really anyone else at that time and yet a lot of it seemed to be wasted, although Liverpool did win that miraculous um, Champions League and so Chris was that was when, that was was, when they barely spent any money oh was it okay I, I was, I'm not sure but um, 
Mike Ashley, you know, a, a lot of people are familiar with his uh, frugality in, in the nature of of the way that he runs the club. So, uh, you know, I'm not a, a Newcastle expert. Maybe Chris is someone to speak to about that. But it's certainly uh, I was talking to him about the expectations of the club in the Premier League this season. And I think they would want to push towards the top of the table. But I think first and foremost is really reestablishing themselves in the Premier League. And that and that comes with spending uh, spending a lot of money because a lot of the players that they currently have maybe aren't up to that level or, or they need to add some players. So I think it is important for them to spend money, but someone else did also a statistic that Rafa Benitez makes the majority of his transfers in July. So maybe he's just waiting, waiting for that, that perfect time to strike on, on the, the that's the same as sort of saying like, well, the birds mostly migrate at this time of year. Well, hey, of I'm not backing, I'm not backing it up. I'm not backing it up. I'm just, I'm just repeating what I hear. Lawrence. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm sort of for Rafa Benitez, but I, yeah, sure, I like it. Um, I mean, Dave, one other thing that's, that's going on and has definitely happened is John Terry going to Aston Villa. Some people saying um, it's fate. <laughs> I think he, what he flirted with, or Harry Redknapp tried to flirt with him to come to Birmingham City, so ended up at Villa is quite decent. I think someone put out an interesting stat that I think Villa had the fourth best defensive record in the championship anyway. So whether they needed to, you know, recruit there, maybe it's the wrong thing to do. Maybe they needed some more goals, some more creativity in there. But John Terry at that level, yeah, but surely John Terry will get you that. Yeah, John, they'll, they'll, their record will go from the fourth to the best instantly. I think under Steve Bruce. So it's, it's. Do you think, Dave? I mean, do you really think that's what John Terry's going to bring in the chat? Surely he can read the game better, maybe. But um, you know, I mean, it's not like he's had an awful lot of playing time more recently. But and also, I guess you can get him for the goal factor. I think it's the organisation, the, the you know how he plays. He's good on the ball. What underrated John Terry skill that is, especially for that, for championship level. How he's going to be dealing with big, robust strikers. He'll be absolutely fine with that. He'll be able to use experience against the quick strikers. So I think it's going to be a, it's a fantastic signing. And Steve Bruce seems to know what to do in that division. He's got a number of teams promoted. Hull, I think, was his most recent team. So I think it'll be Villa on the way up. Um, from the championship this season after a few trying but it's I think it's a good deal for them um, you know as well it shows John Terry he doesn't hasn't really gone for the mo- what money obviously he's going to get paid quite a bit of money at Villa but he hasn't gone to the likes of um, you know China or MLS to, to cancel in yet he's still got some days left in him and it's quite, it's quite an interesting one it'd be nice to see Villa back in the Premier League a real good historic club and it was I was kind of sad to see them down because in the 90s they were you know they were up around the top of the table you know Martin O'Neill's side in the 2000s was, was a very good tactically diverse side it's a shame Martin O'Neill um, you know, completely dropped off the radar there and obviously said some pretty terrible stuff in the press so I had to like, lose my respect for Martin O'Neill but his footballing side was very good and that was Villa back in the day Did you have to lose your respect? I mean you didn't have to lose your respect you could have kept your respect of a, no, um, not. a, a man with bigoted <laughs> views yeah. Horrible man uh, Allegedly uh, Speaking of man with bigoted views but I don't know that uh, Everton uh, have of course signed uh, Sandro from Malaga and uh, Dave they've also made a very weird announcement for Michael Keane today who allegedly turned down Liverpool and Manchester United <laughs> to sign for Everton like anyone would if they had that decision yeah yeah it's a big decision for Michael Keane and he didn't want to go back to the club that he you know he grew up playing there and came through the academy he didn't want to go to Liverpool obviously their arch rival so he had to settle for 
uh, Everton, but United make what seven and a half million from the deal, thirty million pound deal. So it's quite a good business for Manchester United. Um, again, it would have suited Mourinho. It would have suited the style, the defensive style, backs against the wall. That's exactly how Burnley play. Problem with Everton is if they're going to come out and they're going to try and play against teams, and you're going to see, you know, Michael Keane have a lot of the ball. That's where I think his weaknesses are. He's very good being a natural defender, intercepting the ball, clearing it. You know, it didn't work under Louis Van Gaal because he couldn't really play football. You think of that MK Dons game. He got completely shown apart there. Yeah, Yes, he was playing right centre-back, I think he was in a back three for the first time, probably in his career, again showing the tactical inflexibility of English players, but he was awful on that day. I think four of th- all four of the goals, Michael Keane makes a mistake, you know, positionally caught out and everything, so it didn't quite work with that possession-based system, so if Everton do, you know, do come on to their opponents a bit more like they will have to do, um, it would be an interesting one to see how Michael Keane reacts to that. You know, he could definitely do it. Coming through the United Academy, what you know from a player there is that they, they will have a good you know, good foundations to a game, and maybe it's just uh, you know one coach saying the right thing to him to really make something click, make the ball playing aspect of his game. I really like the Sandro one. The Sandro one is the one that I like the most. Um, I, I watched Sandro last season for Malaga again. I, I couldn't remember why. I was walking through the park like, when did you watch that game? And I was watching Celta Vigo, um, and Sandro completely blew them up. Uh, really, really good performance. Great with the ball coming to his feet, turning. Played as a sort of false nine for the Spanish under 21s. Had a pretty decent tournament. Um, you know, not the most leading goal scorer, but did vacate that space for the likes of Saul to exploit that. So yeah, I think he's going to be a really good signing. Very, very good value. You know, they got ripped off for uh, Michael Keane, but they made a great transfer in Sandro. So it's been a hot and cold run. I think they, they got ripped off for uh, Pickford, but the Sandro, you know, getting those three players for 65 million, it's not too bad. But again, it's sort of a weird one, isn't it? Some players you feel like you overspend, some players you feel like you don't spend as much as maybe you uh, would have originally intended on so uh, if it, as long as it so as long as you stay in budget overall in the summer surely that works right yeah i don't think it works it's just it's just a i just find it so peculiar how some you know it seems like the premier league clubs just get ripped off you think the nicolas Schuler deal again i'm going to bring that up 17 and a half million pounds for a center half that's that's better than michael Keane. for a center half that's arguably further down his development even though he's younger than somebody like um, Lindelof, you know. I think you also have to look at where they're going in that situation. But I don't. Why? Bayern Munich are a big because club. because, because a big club. I think that's the that's the that's exactly the the point that a lot of people make is that the the fee is going to be different depending on where they go. And while I mean I'm not I'm not a hundred percent. Obviously I'm not there. I'm not in these meetings, and I don't exactly know what goes down. They know how much Bayern, Bayern Munich is willing to pay for a player as opposed to how much they can get for a certain player if they sell it to a Premier League club because of the the, the difference in, in monetary ability within those two clubs. And I think, yeah, $17 million is, is an incredible fee for someone like Nicolas Schuller, but they, it, 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 he is going to Bayern Munich. So that's part of the reason that the fee is, is so low is because that's how much Bayern Munich are willing to pay. Rarely do you ever see Bayern Munich paying an, extra, an exorbitant amount of money for, for these players because they simply cannot. It, they, the Bundesliga financially up to this point, cannot compete with the Premier League. No one really can. Surely then, as a CEO or the guy that's head of the transfers at a Premier League club, you should have a notepad with all these transfers in, like your Nicholas Schuler's, your Dahoud's to Dortmund. You know, all these transfers that you like, these players are really, really gifted young players and they're getting, you know, moving for less than 20 million. Surely that's your standpoint. Surely you go into that meeting with, with Burnley and, and they go, yeah, 30 million. You're like, nah, you're all right. 
completely yeah. completely uh completely agree with you but i think also they they have considerations for the the players wishes at the same time maybe the clubs are honoring a uh, an agreement between the player and themselves so maybe nicholas shule doesn't Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is stuff that we don't know, but you know that's what Squid. I because because what you're saying completely makes sense. You know, these Premier League clubs should have these players down. They should be bidding for these players because if if Nicholas Shule, like you mentioned, which is one of the best center backs out right now and and very intelligent and everything that you said in comparison to Michael Keane, is all these things are true, then they should be able to blow you know Bayern Munich out of the water in terms of transfer fees but they but they're not so maybe this is down to Nicolas Schulle not wanting to leave Germany maybe this is down to him not wanting to move his family you know uh, all the way to England and, and all these other factors because that's the only thing that I can think of because the wages are better in England and 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 all these other you know outside factors that that would make sense for him to come to to a, a club that has more money also, maybe just lifestyle as well. I think people often uh, often underestimate those sort of things, like you know, exactly, like say remaining yeah. in Germany. Uh, also, maybe you know, I mean, if you if you grew up and you were a kid and you looked up to Manchester United, um, you know, some people would say, yeah, but why wouldn't you go to a Juventus or a uh, you know a whoever else you want to go to in Europe? And people say, well, I grew up in a country where Manchester United was the top team for all those years. I want to go there. Surely, right. but I think it, right. I think I understand that, but I understand why the player would want. It's just the, the clubs and the price is what is so mental. It doesn't, doesn't, yeah, I suppose the, the, the clubs can't, can't force him to go somewhere, can they, really? I suppose that's the problem. That, you know, if they can't make a deal with a player, then they can't make a deal overall, can they? But, for yeah. example, nobody was, nobody was, there was no bidding war, let's say. Maybe it's just to do with how Bayern do their business, and they, they do their business early. They, you know, like we're saying, there's, there's tangibles that we don't know about. From what I understand from the people that I the from the people that I've listened to inside of clubs, a lot of these, and I think this speaks to sort of how Bayern Munich does their business. They already have their targets. They already have their players. Specifically, all these amounts, all these specifics, lined up, finished. All of that is submitted to the people that make those decisions by January or February of that year. So I think Bayern, and I, I think the the deadline or not the deadline, but the way the English. Cl- uh, clubs do businesses a little bit later so i think that's to speak to sort of like you said Bayern munich do their business very early because i think they have these targets they have all these players scouted the uh you know evaluated from a from a price point way earlier than a lot of other people do because they have to have these they have to figure out a way to um you know to go around these these clubs that have more money than them because they they have no other option they would fall way down the 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 pecking order in in europe if they didn't do business in that way and and you know it's a testament to their hard work and their ability well i mean yeah i mean it's not any more hard work than I, I imagine it's more the vision that people would praise than anything else. Right. Because it, you know, it's probably a lot more hard work um, to go an entire summer. Do you know what I mean? And sort of yeah, going, yeah. Rather than lining up. But, uh, but Lawrence, what about Ed Woodward flying to New Zealand to attend the British and Irish <laughs> Lions first test against the All Blacks? Do you not think that's a bit wrong in the transfer window when Mourinho's given him a list of names that he wants to be signed for his, you know, challenge for the, Champions League and Premier League double. See, but he should he should be doing that in 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 January. Dave. Correct, Nico. Exactly. He should be. I mean, tr- uh, yeah, that's true. You'd also say email exists. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. You know, uh, we're all making assumptions here. It's, it's silly season. What kind of assumption? What kind of assumption do you think you're making to say that a guy that you pay millions of pounds is on holiday at arguably the prime time of the year? 
to sign players. <laughs> I think we're just touching on the, the Guardian's article on Mourinho being la- being frustrated by the lack of United signings so far. Um, obviously, the I'm also, I'm also going to I'm also going to disagree with your analysis of Michael Keane there, Dave, because you have often lamented his uh, his passing ability, and I think I you're think looking at the the pure statistics. And I think when you look at a defender, specifically like one like Michael Keane. <laughs> when you look at a defender like like uh, the likes of Michael Keane at a Burnley that's attempting a lot of long balls, his his statistics may be skewed as uh, because you know he's attempting a lot of those long balls and maybe they're going to to players who don't necessarily always have the ability to to bring them down. While in a higher you know higher quality team with higher quality players and a different play style, I think he's actually a pretty talented passer, and I think something like expected passing illuminates that a little bit better than base statistics and. Um, you know, so it's it's important to look at the the statistics with context sometimes. I think it's a combination of those statistics, but it's also the that analysis of that the, the MK Dom's game where he really showed himself up, um, mm-hmm. which which jumps to mind in a way. In terms of his his short passing, if you were taking that as a statistic, he's only completed eighty one percent of his short passes, which quite frankly is quite poor. Um, that's that'll be massively below the the mean of teams in the Premier League. So whether he, you know, again, whether it is a system like Burnley have created a four-four-two where you, you, you know, you can't really play at the back and you're going long, still having eighty-one percent of your short passes completed, still is a little bit of a, you know, is whether I've, you know, I'm not looking into the passes at that high level like you're saying into breaking it down properly. But if you're just comparing that pure statistic of short pass accuracy, that isn't going to be up there with the, you know, the top players in the Premier League. Right. But again, okay. I'm not a Michael Keane specialist yet. But then, Dave, talk to me about someone who is the next Kante. He's the next um, insert name here. It's Nabi Keita. Now, Dave, all he's good for, and this is great analysis from Stevie Nichol on ESPN, um, he's just a box. He, and I, I'll almost verbatim say well, almost. Um, he's just a box-to-box midfielder. I, I expect someone more for £70 million than a man who can... Just make tackles, Dave. What's a box-to-box midfielder, Lawrence? Dave, it's someone who's able to play in the midfield, which, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, often exists between the two boxes. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I love the box-to-box term. I think it just like, you just shoot all any midfielder. Any midfielder that's like got more than one quality, that's like more than just a passer or more than just a, a shuttle. Or Does he play central defensive midfield? 
He's a B2B, Dave. Has anyone ever made a pass out the back to this player? Yes. Has anyone ever seen him make a pass to a forward? Yes. Therefore, he carried the ball from the back to the front. One of the boxes at the back, the other boxes at the front. He's played the ball box to box. (laughs) Similarly to Paul Pogba, uh, Naby Keita is a playmaker. He's not a box-to-box midfielder. Yes, he's got the facets of 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 a complete midfielder. He can tackle, he can dribble, he can shoot, he can create. But he is more of a playmaker. He is more of a guy that's going to be unlocking a defence, playing a lot of through balls. He plays a lot of, lot of through balls, so, so potentially will frustrate some Liverpool fans. But what he isn't is a one-dimensional footballer. That's what Keita is. He's a multi, multi-dimension footballer. And that's the big problem with analysis. If someone else said, can't remember, another Muppet on the TV that's getting X amount of money a year, said he's just a ball winner, which is complete rubbish. That think- was the guy who is Leon Osman. Yeah, it was Leon Osman, wasn't it? Who is is te- technically in the same job market as me, and that just like completely kills me when that type you of analysis is made. Everton player, player I wasn't an Everton player, no. But if a guy's taking a job that I potentially could have and is talking about a player that he's spent zero minutes researching, or you know, we know working in the industry that you would be prepped before you come on a show. We're going to talk about Naby Keita here. Would that not give you like the the slightest little bit of being okay? Right, I've got ten minutes. I don't watch any Bundesliga because I don't care about Germany. But surely there's some time there to do a little bit of research to give you. Well, something. Thing, you can always, you can always tell because the the pundits drop in the phrase. I've only seen him once or twice, um, and that tends to mean I've not seen him. I watched a YouTube video shown to me by a producer five minutes before we went on air or during the ad break. Well, I think that's the problem of the game that we're in, Lawrence. But I, 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 yes, but, but Dave, come on! Every person who's ever been famous in Africa is speaking about him. Titi Kamara, <laughs> of course, um, a famous player from Guinea, has um, has also said some stuff. Is this some more tapping up, though, Lawrence? Is he confirming Jurgen Klopp tapping up once again? How's he confirming that? Uh, from what I'm led to believe, Naby Keita has his heart set on Liverpool move. Um, Leipzig have been informed of his intent and are looking for a replacement but that moves us on to some other quotes that have been going around that Klopp spoken to Cater on Saturday and Liverpool submitted a bid this evening that's the same as Virgil van Dijk Lawrence you've already been done once once for it anymore and you're going to get a transfer ban when have Liverpool been done for it Dave? they got done for tapping up Virgil van Dijk when Dave? they issued issued an apology to Southampton you don't make an apology without doing anything there's no smoke without fire but Dave you didn't get done for it technically because yeah, they have Ooh, Dave, it's very dangerous to say there's no smoke without fire. Very dangerous. Dangerous <laughs> Dave is what we're going to call him tonight. Uh, libelous Dave would be what I would call him. You want to be careful with that one, though. Um, yeah, I think Liverpool certainly do need to be careful. Um, apparently, they did submit uh, a bid on uh, Sunday evening, which wouldn't really make sense um, because he had his uh, chat on Monday, I believe. Liverpool representatives. Um, apparently, Dave, Cater uh, is going to be replaced with uh, Conrad Lehmar. Mm, signed by Leipzig uh, this week um, in a strange but, move. But Dave, surely, Dave, surely, if Liverpool are looking at Cater, why not just look at Conrad? Uh, I think Conrad's further back in his development, right? He was playing in the uh, UEFA uh, Youth League. But a tenth of the price. Yeah, well, yeah, potentially this is it. A tenth of the price. Um, he's been likened to Ilsanka at... Um, 
RB Leipzig, who's more of their holding midfielder, sits in front of the back pens. Sure, short passes, can win tackles. Used to be quite an aggressive midfielder, but as is, you know, as he's got to like the age of 28, 29, sit a little bit deeper and just sit back and control the game. But he's been likened to him, so they, you know, they can get a player like that that is aggressive in the tackle that can, you know, win you the ball in midfield. It, you know, it's a decent start to replacing Naby Keita. But like I said, Naby Keita is more than one player. If Conrad is replacing that defensive element, um, you know, they need someone to, you know, replace that creativity uh, in the centre of the park. Excellent stuff. Uh, well, uh, let's talk quickly about Lacazette and Mares to Arsenal uh, and Sanchez to Man City, Nico. Um, now, Nico, it's, it's definitely funny to talk about Sanchez to Man City. Uh, people love to do all the weird subtitles on stuff, all the annoying stuff. Do you actually think he's going somewhere? Uh, as to somewhere, maybe, but certainly not to Manchester City. I don't think it really makes a whole lot of sense for a number of reasons. I think it's more likely that his agent is just doing, you know, making these rumors readily available to whoever is willing to, to publish them um, in an effort to either gain a move or gain a better contract for his player or push through the contract that they want uh, at Arsenal, whatever the case may be. I, I think he doesn't really fit in at Manchester City because there's not really an area in which he could make better. He's not a better wide player than than Leroy Sané, um, and he's not a better central player than than someone like Kevin De Bruyne or David Silva. And then people talk about uh, the relationship between Pep Guardiola and Sergio Aguero possibly being strained, but there's absolutely no evidence of that, especially considering I think Aguero just signed a, a, an extension or a new deal, and, and we've seen several times that Pep Guardiola himself has said Sergio Aguero is a Manchester City player. Ask him. He's said himself that he's going to say. He said himself that he's happy under Pep Guardiola so rumors of him filling that false nine role or that striker role are, are kind of baseless as well and I think this is just one of those things that that papers used to, to sort of dominate the headlines because it kind of makes sense if you don't think about it but it really doesn't make sense because he wouldn't fit into this Manchester City team very well at all and and I don't really see a justification for him even if the club did need him. He would cost an arm and a leg from Arsenal and, and then his wages and everything on top of that, plus the fact that he's not homegrown and, and Manchester City don't have an abundance of those players. All of these factors add up to, to, the, to the rumor not really making a whole lot of sense. Enjoyable stuff. Um, that is good. Uh, Very good. So, sorry, yeah. Uh, wow, we cannot speak about what we've just mm. received in the group chat. Um, so, uh, moving on. Uh, Lacazette, though, Dave. I mean, Ooh. are you lack upset that he might not be going to Manchester United? Of course not, because he is on his way to Arsenal. Uh, yeah, because that was going to happen. Definitely. I like Lacazette. I've liked Lacazette for a few years now. He's a top He's a top finisher. That's what he is. He's a lovely finisher. Really good on the ball. Technical. He's like your perfect Arsenal player. You know, Arsenal sort of collected together loads of really good technical attacker midfielders and then they all went to Manchester City. He's sort of like that as a forward. You know, great body balance, creative, um, really good with the ball at his feet. I love how he opens himself up to finish as well. Loves that top uh, right finish. Was fantastic in the Europa League this season for Lyon. Scored a hatful of goals um, for Lyon in Liga. Um, very right-footed is the only thing. 23 out of his 27 goals uh, coming from his right foot. If you want some other stats, though, um, he's created more chances this season than uh, Costa, Kane, Higuain and Benzema. Um, he's created more dribbles than Mo Salah, Lewandowski, Luis Suarez and Kylian Mbappe. So that just gives you a bit of a flavour. Would be perfect with with the likes of Mesut Ozil playing behind him if Sanchez is going or not um, if Sanchez is there Sanchez obviously the through ball king in the Premier League 48 this season um, 
that'd be perfect for Lacazette, those little through balls inside the penalty. Penalty area, but whether Mares is coming in as well, that's been heavily linked. Obviously, he needs to get out of Leicester. His career is absolutely stagnating at the moment. There, that could work quite nicely. Thinking Ozil maybe playing as the inside forward on the left, Mares the inside forward on the right behind Lacazette. That could really do well on the transition. You're thinking Mares plays his best football when he plays on the counter attack. Why he struggled this season is because Leicester City's playing that deeper block. For Arsenal in this system, it looks sometimes like they defend with five at the back, two central midfielders, and then let the front three great podcasts just attack. So it could work really well for Mares. It would give him that freedom to to attack the space and everything. And also, you forget that Mares is defensively was really good for Leicester City. They made those two banks of four. Yes, he did wait on the counter attack sometimes, but usually if you get him back, he would be Mark Albrighton on one side. Then you've got Drinkwater Kante, and then Mares would be making that bank of four. So if Mares can drop back and you know add another body to that central midfield, allowing Ozil to sit up front with Lacazette, you've got a real good sort of tactical scheme there. One thing that I'd say about Sanchez, yes, he's good at pressing, yes, he's good at working, he's good at tackling. What he's not good is tracking back and getting into formation and sitting there and waiting for the moment to push back out. You know, you see the Bayern Munich games of of, uh, the last few seasons, watch Sanchez and how badly he ruins Arsenal's shape in those games. With Mahrez, you're not going to get that. So it's a really interesting, if they can get both of these players to replace Sanchez, if Sanchez is going, I think it'll be absolute great business from Arsene Wenger. Lacazette is, is a fantastic goal scorer and Mahrez would add goals and assists from midfield. What in the last two seasons, two players to get over 10 goals and assists, Mahrez uh, the season before last and obviously last season Alexis Sanchez. So they are replacing sort of like-for-like player, of course, the 24 goals and the 10 assists is going to be difficult to replace, but with Lacazette and Mahrez, you might get that, but it's whether Sanchez stays or does he go. Big questions. Shall we complete transfer bingo? Um, Antonio Conte has told Chelsea to sign Romelu Lukaku at any price, Nico. Um, Any price, even 100 million. It's a weird one. Um, I think we're seeing... Perfect sense. No, I think I think he's a good player, and I think he would fit in well at Chelsea. Um, I just it, it may be a repeat of the situation that you and I have spoken about, uh, especially when you made that wonderful documentary about Antonio Conte and his time at Juventus. Is that you know he demanded uh, the players that, that Juventus signed. I think the fa- the quote was something along the lines of he has he's competing in a competition where there are a hundred. Um, 100 million pound players and he's playing with 10 pound players or something of the sort and, and it may be a similar situation here at Chelsea where he's has an, has an extremely talented group of players but he's demanding more and, and Allegri came in and got to two Champions League finals with relatively the same group of players that Antonio Conte had and he was never, never able to progress in that competition so maybe we're seeing a bit of a repeat he, he, he seems to want certain players and, and it's, it's whether Chelsea are willing to back him up financially um, that will maybe determine how successful he is going forward because he couldn't prove to be successful at least in the Champions League um, with the players that he had at hand so hopefully he'll get his man and then we can see even more out of Antonio Conte from a from a European perspective it's really interesting to see why they did get him in the first place I mean obviously he's a great manager great at motivating people instilling certain work ethics Um, but it it's fair to say that Juventus have gone from strength, strength to strength since he left. Whether that's but because- I think well, I think also another consistency with 
with a, with Conte is that he has an idea and that idea is well thought out um, and, and it often works and, and we saw how great he was in the league this season and, and with a group of players that I think a lot of their reputation was tarnished after that horrible year you know the last year with, with uh, Mourinho and, and everything we were sort of doubting you know the quality of those players but then he, he was able to use a lot of those guys and some new ones in, in some fantastic ways you know accentuating their best qualities and hiding up the weakest parts of their game but at the same time there are certain games where if he is beaten he struggles to come up with a with a solution a lot of the times he doesn't change very well and maybe that's that's bleeding into this other part of his uh managerial philosophy where he he wants Lukaku he doesn't see any anyone else and maybe if he doesn't get him maybe we'll see his his tactical philosophy start to suffer uh interesting okay well, we'll definitely see about that this season uh I mean, it, it's fair to say that over the seasons he was at Juve, uh, there was obviously a lot of magic there. But at the same time, it was at Juventus, a club who were incredibly supportive of the way that he wanted to go for quite a long time, despite him going against a lot of um, what happens at the club. Uh, Steeler Juve, if you like. Um, obviously, we've already brushed upon Willy Caballero signing for Chelsea. Chelsea seem incredible at signing uh, second-choice goalkeepers. It really is somewhat of a... Um, an exciting time for the second choice goalkeeper in this modern era. Uh, Bournemouth, however, even more exciting, uh, Nico. Nathan Ake is obviously signed to 20 million. If we're talking about Chelsea getting rid of players, you would have thought, just saying, you would have thought it would have been a good time for him to stay at Chelsea, surely, considering all the qualities and facets that he brings as a player, right, Nico? Yeah, definitely. And I think we saw him settle in, although it was a brief period of time, settle in well to the because uh, he was recalled from his loan to Bournemouth uh, in January. And he, he was able to step in in some key performances towards the end of the season. Um, and considering I think they could upgrade on, on Gary Cahill and I think Nathan Ake would do extremely well to do that. But it, it is a weird one from Chelsea. I think it's something that they'll regret. But Bournemouth have 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 purchased an excellent player that they already know is going to play well under the under the you know under the current manager and with the the current crop of players that they have. So it's a weird move from Chelsea that when like I said one that I think they'll regret. But in terms of Nathan Ake's development, he's going to get the the most amount of play time, and and this is uh, this is a good move for him. Dave, elsewhere, um, obviously, let's talk a little bit further down, obviously, in the leagues. Uh, Ravel Morrison is training. Oh, no, wait a minute. Before we move on to that, Defoe's has gone to Bournemouth as well. Dave, Defoe, Bournemouth, three-year deal. This is pretty much going to see him out, isn't it? It will do, yeah. It kind of makes sense. He was there as, uh, on loan from West Ham. Bournemouth's it's a lovely a bad area. Move. Um, I was on holiday is it a bad, Nico says it's a bad move. I think it is about, I mean, it's a terrible move. Three bad, years. bad move for Bournemouth because you're picking up a striker. Bad move, Bournemouth. Bad move. You're picking up a striker that is. Defoe, sorry, checking his 30, age. 34. 34. 34 years old. And it, it just, I, you know, the, the argument is that he scores goals and he does and he has consistently for a number of years now. But you're signing him. You're signing a player to a three-year deal that he's going to be 37 at the end of, and while these these contracts often don't see the the end of the of the date that they are, that they sign for, it is a weird move in the sense that you know they they could have signed a younger player, they could have signed uh, other promising talents, whether it be from abroad or, or or within maybe the championship or elsewhere in the Premier League. Someone, um, you know, names are escaping me, but I just think it's it's. While some people are claiming that it's a no-brainer that they pick up Defoe, it's certainly not a move for the future. And I think it's these type of moves that Bournemouth 
they they have to make the best out of and i don't think it, it's a move for the future and that's that's really crucial for teams sort of within that realm so you're saying because he's old it's not a room for the, not a move for the future and it, say you know in training you couldn't have him teaching other young strikers aspects of what his game is and maybe showing people the, there are there are positives to the move like anything but i i just think that other the, that the wage the wage bill and, and things like that that he's going to have an effect on could be better spent on on other things and other players that they can strengthen elsewhere or perhaps go right back into the club yeah i mean i i, I guess i see the the benefits and the uh the, the pros and the cons of signing a guy who romantically wanted to go back to the cherries um dave aaron moy uh player with a weird second name has gone to Huddersfield for seven and a half million. Um, and the chairman is also, I mean, this chairman seems to be incredibly uh, good at managing people's expectation and then also uh, making sure that people are hearing what they want to hear and do what they want. It, no matter what the results this season, they're saying the, the manager will not be sacked. Yeah. I think you've got to build into what the manager's trying, what the manager got them promoted from the second tier of English football. Uh, doing praying that high high octane pressing style and, and Moy was was good for them in the championship, very very good for them in championship. So, you know, it's it's a good deal. Again, it's it's crazy a, a team that's just been promoted spending seven point seven five million. When you used to play foot manager again, bringing it back for you, Nico. If you had about a budget of five mil max, that was with wages. You know, you, you get your top sign would be about a million quid. Now we're seeing seven point seven million, and then that's not the only small amount. You know, we've heard rumours of him signing other players for more than that. So it's pretty incredible what the Premier League money's doing to teams these days. And football manager, it upsets you. No, it's just the evolution of life, isn't it? The evolution of the game of football manager. That's what life is. The evolution of life. Wow, that okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, all right, fair enough. Uh, well, we can we can move on from that then. Um, well, actually, maybe we can't. Um, now, Crystal Palace apparently will maybe looking at not taking Mamadou Sacco. I repeat, Nico, not taking Mamadou Sacco, saddling Liverpool with a player that sadly they don't really want anymore. Yeah, I think you and I were having a bit of this discussion pre-podcast and the the consensus on on Sacco is is mixed but I, I certainly think that he's a good defender that maybe Liverpool could have made better use of but obviously he doesn't fit into Klopp's plans for whatever reason so it's unfortunate that he didn't settle in in, in the Premier League at a place like Crystal Palace but I think he'll find his home elsewhere and maybe somewhere like like Spain or Italy he, he would really fit in well um, and, and find a, a more permanent home but it's unfortunate that he couldn't uh, make himself a bigger part of Klopp's plans or, or make a case for himself to stay um, because I think he fits right into that mold that, that Liverpool currently need and, and maybe they'll they'll not necessarily lose or waste money but certainly they could they could end up saving that money if 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 he were able to to work out under Klopp but he's not um, yeah I'm interested to see where Liverpool take it I I definitely feel affection towards the player. I don't know if that's affecting my judgment of him out on the pitch. Um, he also did some great things on the pitch for Liverpool as well. So I wouldn't have been against keeping him in the first place. I, I'll be honest. I also thought he was a great, I would have thought he was a perfect club player, but clearly that isn't true at this point. Uh, maybe down to something that 
one of the nuances that Klopp has seen um, in trying to manage him and therefore thought he had to leave the club. Um, you would imagine it's not a decision he took too lightly, uh, considering the state of Liverpool's back line. Um, of course, the state of Liverpool's back line is unaffected at this point by Andre Wisdom, uh, a man who is now moving, moving to Derby County. Uh, he's got a four-year deal. I think the fee will have been fairly low, hence why it was undisclosed. Um, and anyway, he is moving on. Um, let's transition abroad, though, Dave. Chanloglu. Chanloglu, Dave. Uh, he's joined Milan. Uh, Milan are making waves. Mm, they are making big waves. This is an interesting one. Uh, still, I think he's only 23 How years old doing? still. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's a player who, what, Spurs wanted? Yeah, Spurs wanted him. He was really good at the start under Roger Smith, playing as a sort of second striker, incredible at free kicks. Got the, I think still over the last three seasons, the, the, you know, the most free kicks in Europe, which is pretty incredible. His technique is ridiculous. He's got so many good goals away that he hits the ball and it, it sort of wobbles around and goes sort of flat. Um, and a very talented player and would do well, very well in Serie A. We'll give AC Milan a lot from the dead ball situation, but it is... Um, his impact through the 90 minutes that he needs to work on a little bit very explosive but not explosive enough in, uh, you know, for the, the duration of games will come in and out of games so he needs to improve his, his consistency but again a, a good move from Milan um, who have, Montella's going to be building a completely new team this season I'm excited to see that the likes of Andre Silva who scored the, the winner in the Confred third place um, playoff match so it's going to be a bright future for Milan if they can continue to make these sort of signings of players that are young and talented because Montella can really turn players around so what he did at Fiorentina before is he really turned some players around really got playing some real attractive styling of football um, so it's it's that step for Kaloglu is to go under a manager that believes in him and has that belief and whether he can transition himself to the next stage of being another Turkish great Yes, uh, and he, he has that uh, ability, let's put it that way. Uh, of course, Leverkusen, they've also signed someone. Uh, Kai Havitz just signed a new five-year deal, um, 17 years old, exploded onto the scene last season, uh, grabbed a few assists and a goal back into the season, which is pretty incredible for a talented player. Again, um, we spoke about Kaká before, because I love Kaká, he's a great guy. Havitz is another young German player that reminds me of Kaká. It's weird how Germany seem to produce kaká players and Brazil aren't doing that anymore, but brilliant body balance. He's, he's a tall lad, he's about 6'2", um, but he's got great feet for a big lad. Really good at bursting past people, attacking space, and um, played in the Champions League this season. Expect big things from Kai. And a new five-year deal is uh, you know great business from Leverkusen, who um, are apparently selling a lot of their players. Javier Hernandez is another one that's uh, been linked with West Ham. Apparently they want to get rid of Hernandez. They've got rid of Charloglu already. There's other players that are up for sale, but Bellarabi's up for sale as well. Could be a good move for a Premier League side if they're looking for a winger. Explosive, very good with the ball at his feet. Uh, it's an interesting, it's a transitional phase. Um, potentially it was Thomas Tufel who was going to take over, but I think they, they appointed somebody else, uh, which I will shout out towards the end of the podcast when I figure that out. <laughs> shout out anytime, Dave. Uh, it's the amount of preparation we do really at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, we can transition this one quite easily into uh, AC Milan chat. Nico, personally, yourself, are you impressed with what AC Milan have been doing this summer? I mean, I certainly am. They've got a look of guy that they want, though. Uh, sort of short, dark and handsome. Yeah, who doesn't love a short, dark and handsome football player? Uh, well, um, it's true. I mean, Nico, it worries me that you think that AC Milan could sign you. <laughs> love Lawrence McKenna. Um 
No, I think they've made some excellent moves this this summer, especially with the the signing of Chalanoglu, which is a player that I think we all kind of forgot about, considering his ban and, and the weird situation uh, between the contract of his old club and 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 the playing the lack of playing time, shall I say, rather that that he received, and also you know the signing of Andre Silva, and then someone that Dave bangs on about constantly with uh, the left back Rodriguez. So they're they're obviously rebuilding, and they're rebuilding in a good way. You know, a lot of these are smart signings, and what? this is all been for the the around the fee of 100 125 million with some of that paid later um so they're adding some excellent players to their team and it's not like a few years ago where they were just signing attacking players they're signing players that are necessary to their squad and ones that would help the the current crop uh of course inter uh, have also reportedly agreed personal terms wow with Di with, uh, with Di maria Fantastic, fantastic signing, and also one that maybe is an upgrade upon the the other bit of transfer news that we have here, which is that uh, Eva Banega re-signs for Sevilla after a year or perhaps two. I'm I'm forgetting, but um, a, a short spell with with Inter, which I think was an interesting one. But I I, I think I've always been a big fan of Di Maria, um, especially at Real Madrid. But it's unfortunate that it didn't work out for him at uh, at Manchester United. But I think he's a he's a fantastic player, and I think he'll continue to do. Fantastic fantastic things at, at Inter. I think it's a league that really suits him. And regardless of whether he plays in a, in a central midfield role or a, or a wing role, I think he's better in the central midfield role. I think he'll do he'll do great things at a, at a newly revitalized Inter Milan side. Hi, Kovic. Uh, you all right, Dave? Bless you. Uh, that was the uh, Bayer Leverkusen manager. Right, of course. Yes. Mm. Um, I thought you were asking me if I wanted to go on a long walk. Um, now, uh, AC, uh, sorry, AS are reporting the Juventus are set to sign Danilo, Dave, for just a, 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 a pretty measly fee, which Juventus seem to be able to always get. 20 million. There are a lot of 20 million pound players this summer, aren't they, Dave? Mm. 20 million is the new 10 million. Well, especially when you've got the Euro on as well, Lawrence. Uh, I like Danilo. Danilo was really good at Porto. Arguably better than uh, Alexandra the last season. They were both there. Really good at getting forward. Sorry, who, Dave? Danilo. Danilo? Danilo. 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 Brilliant. Danilo. I imagine in Brazil, they sort of say they sort of say things like Hanil. Hanil. So. Uh, but anyway, um, bit I mean, dodgy for Real. Cauchinho is the way they say Coutinho. <laughs> dodgy for Real. Um, needs his confidence back. Where else would you want to be a wing back in world football? Of course, it's at Juventus. So could be a very good deal for Juve, obviously replacing the out- outgoing Hani Alves. Yanni Jalvez, uh, as I or Mane Juarez, as I believe uh, some people call him. Um, Illich, of course, is going to Sampdoria. Dave, is that actually a good move for Illich? Oh, it's an interesting one. He likes to uh, pop around the uh, Italian league um, from Fiorentina. He's a good, he's an explosive player. Um, it's a consistency that's always been a problem with um, Illich, and again, Fiorentina are moving apparently away from their owners apparently the, the, the club's up for sale so it's a transitional time for uh, La Viola so yeah it could be a good move for him again to go into Samp because Samp wanted uh, Wesley Schneider apparently wanted to move to Samp but the manager completely threw that up and didn't allow Schneider to return to Syria Dave disappointingly for Liverpool Douglas or anyone who wants a winger basically Douglas Costa uh, Douglas Costa as I believe they call him in some countries, uh, has gone to Juventus. Uh, so I don't think that's confirmed, but I think that's really hot on the press. 
uh, with gonna, uh, Douglas Costa. Allegedly, it's going to happen. Yeah, allegedly it's going to happen, but could, could give uh, Juve some great width. Um, you're thinking what they've got on one side, Quadrado. Best move of the window. Costa on the left-hand side. It could be really tasty. I mean, it, uh, they kind of got... What I find unusual about, about that move is they kind of got rid of... Um, Kingsley Coman, who then went on to partner. I mean, it's weird to partner up uh, wingers when they're playing opposite wings. They're not really sort of, you know, they are linked, but they're not linked in the same way as someone who would say a right back and a, a right wing. But uh, then sort of went to partner or play alongside Douglas Costa. And people saw them both as very direct players. Why not have invested in Kingsley uh, instead of having to now go back and get Douglas? Well, I think it's it's a it's a, a huge opportunity for anyone that's willing to to pay the money, and obviously Juventus are are there supposedly at the forefront of, of that line to to get Douglas Costa. And I think we we can't forget that under Pep Guardiola, Douglas Costa was probably one of the best wingers in Europe at the time. And major mismanagement from someone like Carlo Ancelotti this season has seen him favor Frank Ribéry or Arjen Robin, who Arjen Robin has been you know fantastic this season and seen a bit of a. They did win the league. They did pretty well yeah no they did what terrible well, but mismanagement I think, to win the league <laughs> but but at the same time he's 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 throwing away probably one of the the most talented young footballers out there for for short-term success you have to i, I think them choosing douglas costa and kingsley coman is the future for Bayern munich as opposed to um choosing you know the short term keeping the likes of not like old people. do i just not like old people yeah. I love old people. I love old people. Why do you say I don't like old people? You just always seem to think that anyone who's over a certain age suddenly, if you play, I think, that, you I think that's how I think that's how I would run a football club if I were in charge of these decisions because it's just it's the most uh, it's the best What's decision the to make. You can't you What's can't the make playing them young if you can't play them old. <laughs> we'll develop you and then we'll sell you when you would develop you because sorry by that point it's a bad thing. Well, we're talking about Frank Ribéry that is 34, Lawrence McKenna. So that kind of production can't no, be Stop Wikipediaing him and then just telling me his name. He's and then, still, he, and then also Arjen Robin, who is 33 years old. So we can't really depend on these guys to be good for much longer, if at, if at all. Um, and let's not forget, the, the reason that Pep Guardiola chose the younger guys over Arjen Robin and Frank Ribéry is because they were out for the majority of his time there with ankle injuries and niggling hamstring injuries. So it, it's for me, it's a bad move for Byron and Carlo Ancelotti as to why they're they're letting Douglas Costa go but who knows you know we'll, I think we'll see we'll see Douglas Costa return to the fore of European uh, European football at, at Juventus you're right Ribéry and Robin were out with niggling injuries in the time that Pep Guardiola well, was R- Ribéry Absolutely. was out with like with with a major ankle injury well, yes you're right falling out Nico Oh, yeah, he, they were out with niggling injuries mm. and then they had major fallings out <laughs> when certain people came to do tests. We've had a major falling out and he needs to go home immediately. Hide behind the door, Robin. This is, this, is, this, is what I, this is what I'll tell you. Under Pep Guardiola, Bayern Munich won the, won the league in record time. Under Carlo Ancelotti, they struggled with newcomers, Red Bull Leipzig. I mean, what does that tell you? That's that such a good point. That? You're telling me, you're telling me, Nico, <laughs> that the man Pep Guardiola went to Bayern and mm-hmm. they started to break all sorts of records. Yeah. With players almost looking like completely different players. 
And then when he leaves and takes all his medical staff, suddenly some of those players have problems. You've got to be kidding me, Nico. How could that be true? Some of, the, some of those players had problems when he was there. And he made the ruthless yes, Nico, and correct decisions. Problems. Lawrence McKenna is not my fan today. No, Lawrence McKenna is a fan of yours. He's just not such a fan of naivete when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the, I, I mean, this is the problem is that inverted commas really don't work when you do them on uh, on podcasts. But um, I mean, you know what I'm getting at, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah go to Dave. Pep Guardiola Dave, is Dave a, a big fraud, isn't it? terrible Just analysis. Terror. Don't listen to this. Absolutely podcast, useless. Yeah. You've seen what, you know, Robin can still cut in, Ribery can still create. It's just useless management, Lawrence, and I agree. Um, it's just terrible. Absolutely awful. It's just funny how they're not niggling injuries all the time when <laughs> he's not there. Weird how players like Thomas <laughs> Muller seem to play well without Pep Guardiola as well, you know? Muppet. Play well without Pep Guardiola. He he had his record goal-scoring season under Pep Guardiola's yeah, last. Yeah, what about assists, Nico? Everyone cares oh, about wow. assists these days. Mm-hmm. That was right. this year, Nico, it's FYI. About, it's, it's about the goals you're involved in, Nico, not all yeah, goals. He had a, he had Nico, a goal it your, drought. It was your, your, your goal impact. I have no further comment on this. I'm sick of, I'm sick of being ganged, ganged up on. Ganged up on or proven wrong by yeah, a group of people? <laughs> takes a group. Takes a group to okay. take a great go down. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> certainly different. I'll give you that. Um, do we have anything else we need to uh, cover? Um, Benega resigned for Sevilla. Did we cover that one? I feel like I've heard. Just said that. Just yeah. talked about it. Yeah. So um, to Torino to replace Joe Hart. Joe Hart no longer wanted. In because Joe Hart is trash. Yeah, Joe Hart not great. Joe Hart is not trash. No, he's not trash. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's he's. Thrash. A nice guy. He's a, he's a good goalkeeper that could do a job at Liverpool, right, Lawrence? I'm honestly sick of hearing people say to me, like, <laughs> a number of times, uh, first of all, I'm sick of hearing he's a good goalkeeper who goes to Liverpool. Sure, any good goalkeeper would be good at Liverpool. Like, that would be great. All right? It'd just be good to can, like, put his gloves on, right? Do you, do you not trust Carius anymore, Lawrence? What's the, what's the deal with the young young you don't seem obviously to like him anymore. Obviously, you're going to advocate, advocate carriers because you love young things. Um, <laughs> my, my main point uh, is that I'm sick of hearing people say uh, at, at any time to me. What, uh, yeah, Spit it out. He's not, very, he's not very good at his job, but he's lovely in real life. And I sort of think, you know what? I don't give a shit. Like, I re- genuinely, I like, I like, I like it. Sure, I like nice people, right? But if you're like, if you're a chef and you serve a terrible meal, and the customer sends it back, the person coming to the table serving it doesn't turn around and go, "Don't do this." He's a lovely guy in real life. They How does just this go, relate to Joe Hart? It's related to performance and the fact that. It doesn't matter if they're nice or not. Well, it does matter if they're nice or not, based on team dynamic. But, you know, the point is it, it, it's really almost irrelevant if they're nice, if they don't get the results in football. Hmm. Oh, my God, is that a, a storm? Yeah, there's a pretty big thunderstorm here in Orlando, Orlando, Florida. Oh, I got excited. It was in the background of Dave, and I was just going to get that in a second. But, okay. no, decent weather. You like the rain, Lawrence. I, lo- I actually love thunderstorm rain, Nico. Anyone else out there love the storm? Tweet us. Love Tweet the storm. 
Loscast hashtag, on Twitter. Hashtag I am the storm. I love the storm. All of them. Yes. Uh, all of the storms. Uh, Dave, uh, what about Roma's? Did, did we talk about Roma's move, Dave? No, uh, we haven't spoke about Roma, actually. Gonalons. And apparently uh, Static Spencer tweeted you and said, uh, Gonalons to Roma for $5 million. Deal done. Monchi strikes. Wow. Thoughts? I say good move, seeing deal. as they got rid. What an incredible bit of transfer business. Again, 5 million euros. You're not going to get a deal like that in the championship. Especially for Max Ingolons, who's excelled at defensive midfield for the past three to four seasons at Lyon. Cracking bit of business for, for Roma. And obviously with um, Estebano Di Francesco, I do believe his name is, uh, the Sassuolo manager who loves to play a 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder. Golons is going to come straight in there. But more excitingly for me, Lorenzo Pellegrini from Sassuolo to AC, Mil- AC Milan. AS Roma again. Pellegrini, I really liked him at the Under-21 Championship. Again, very tenacious, uh, good at getting into the opponent, making uh, opponent's box, making that run ahead of the striker. Um, looks like a real good player. And again, it excelled for Sassuolo um, under good old Di Francesco um, so hopefully he can do well at Roma and I expect him to will Monchi just doing some great business very good point uh, that, I actually do believe that is all for today on the podcast uh, Dave how long have we been going in there um, the current time stands at one hour 19 minutes and 58 seconds but we did have that and spell of trash talking at the start before we recorded so maybe an hour and a bit you know, fair enough. I'll uh, I'll take that. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, well, Nico, it's been lovely to have you. If people want to go and read, because you're writing a lot this summer, aren't you? I wouldn't say a lot. I'm just, uh, I'm focusing on certain things. But there will be something on Bernardo Silva coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. And, and I just also quickly want to say that the good people of the podcast need to go tweet us at man dave and, and congratulate him because i have a tally down for the things he print cor- correctly pronounced and um miss you know mispronounced today and he's actually at two out of four today so this is wow this is i think his best day so we'll give it up for dave and, and just tweet at him it's funny. congratulations uh because dave's been texting me all the way through the podcast telling me how much you need to leave um <laughs> that's fair enough Ooh, lawrence that was between me and you you're right, Dave. I'm sorry. I broke the privacy clause there. Mm. Um, the bomb. Of course, uh, Dave, I've got one final question for you, Dave. If you offered yes. $100 million yes. for Felipe Coutinho, um, would you take it from PSG if you were Liverpool? It's a real tough one, that. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a tough one. I probably would say yes, because I think with that $100 million, if it's £100 million... You've got quite a lot of money to throw around there. You can get your likes of Kieta, you can buy yourself a centre half, potentially get, you know, put go, go into the running for someone like Lacazette that they appear to be falling behind. Okay, yeah. Why the hell would you want Lacazette when you've just sold Coutinho? Uh, because you want a forward to score your goals. Because uh, Firmino could play as a number 10. Yeah, but then Firmino, Firmino wants to leave if, if Coutinho leaves, for mm, sure. This is true. These, these are bros. You'd probably be, you know, 110 mil, let's say 10 mil for Firmino for both of them, right? I guess so. Wow, that sounds good. Uh, hashtag I am the storm. Um, good to have you guys on today's podcast. Uh, it's been really nice. Dave, we, people want to go find you. Are you doing much on Statman Dave at the moment over the summer? Yeah, there's loads of one football related banter over on Stat on the Statman Dave YouTube yes. channel. Um, I'm going to do something on Lacazette Mares, I think, tomorrow. And then I'm going to Croatia. Um, and that is, you're going to take a week it. off? I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I, it depends how long I'm in Croatia. I don't really know. I've still got. My, 
I basically um, my passport got damaged last time I went through airport security. It basically had a little tear in the corner, you know, where you're in the in the yeah. page where your picture's on, and the passport security guy just completely ripped it open. Um, so my passport was done. I needed to get a new passport, and then my girlfriend's friend won tickets to this festival. So I basically had to get a passport in a week, um, and I got it submitted last Friday, and I've got to leave on Friday morning. So it's going to be tight, to say the least. Well, um Okay, you and I can talk about that in just a second. Um, okay, great. Uh, well, it's been good to have you guys tweet us, uh, telling us how much you just love us, uh, and uh, find us at the front three. I'm playing on Wednesday in an Opta Joe game against a load of other journalists. I think I'm going to vlog it. Um, I'm playing with Marcus Speller of the Football Ramble, uh, uh, Spencer FC of Hashtag United, who most people have now played with, um, and maybe one or two other people um but yeah we'll tell you more about that on the vlog uh in the meantime it's been to have you guys we'll see you guys real soon right here again on tf3